Hello and welcome to When I Grow Up. My name is Molly Finn and this is my podcast in which I speak to young people in the creative industry at the very start of their careers. My guest today is Kesua Brown, who is a journalist for the BBC. She began on one of the BBC's trainee schemes and since then she has done incredibly well. As you will hear throughout this episode, I am in complete awe of her. She has written some really powerful, really important pieces and she seems like one of these people who just has no idea how brilliant they are and uh, she tells me off for gassing her up throughout this episode so you're going to hear more of that later on so just prepare for that Uh, but it was a genuine pleasure to get to chat to her hear her insight hear her experiences and she also started off not studying journalism so her routine is super interesting also very quick disclaimer the start of this episode you can hear my neighbor's leaf blower I promise it goes after about 10 seconds so just bear with it I loved recording this episode and I really hope that I get to chat to her again in the future. But for now, enjoy this episode of When I Grow Up. Well, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here, you know, get to the nitty gritty. Get down to it. We're going to be just delving right in to basically your whole job history. So I hope you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> I was so excited because um, we've spoken a bit on Twitter before and I was so excited when you said yes because I have had a little stalk of your LinkedIn and I, you, I'm so excited to ask you about it. Um, but I want to start by taking you right back. Where did you grow up? I'm from Luton Town. Nice. So I've always kind of been, you know, in Luton. And then I went to uni in the Midlands. You went to Loughborough, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Loughborough, you know, sports uni, bleed purple, represent. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was kind of there where I got into journalism, really, mm-hmm. because I did a drama and English degree. And I went and I wanted to be like the next Viola Davis when I went to uni, you know, I didn't really particularly, I wasn't looking to go into journalism really. And my mum was like, you know what, you're, you're good at English. You should, rather than just doing drama, you should do like drama and English as well. And I was like, do you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll take you up on that. And then when I started my English modules, I just fell in love with them. And I fell in love with, um, you know, just the the power that words had in the books I was reading and the stuff that I was kind of, you know, putting across in my um, essays. I just loved it. And I think I noticed that all my hobbies, you know, such as doing really bad podcasts. I must add, I made really, really bad podcasts at uni. We, we all do. We all do it at uni. It's just, you ha- it's like a rite of passage definitely a rite of passage um but if anyone finds those you know please don't show me because I don't want to know (laughs) they're hidden from the internet don't search those don't search for those yeah exactly um so when you were when you were young like young young was acting what you wanted to do that's what you were hoping to go into yeah 100% I really wanted to go into acting and my parents kind of um you know they're a bit like "Mm." (laughs) 
maybe this is something that you shouldn't do and I was like do you know what like it's something I really enjoy mm-hmm. and then as I got older I just realized actually um you know I've got a different passion now yeah and it doesn't mean that maybe you know I'd love to get back into kind of not necessarily acting but doing screenwriting like I've um, done screenwriting courses and stuff and like I am kind of in the middle of writing um a couple of scripts so it's definitely something I want to kind of go into but I think it's just I love the writing yeah. aspect and the storytelling aspect and I realized you know the thing I love so much like about acting was um you know how you were telling people stories and that's yeah. essentially what I'm doing now like, it's I, all I narrative it. it's all kind yeah. of about telling a story now you're one of my favorite people to research because it's quite easy to research you actually you just type your name in and all of your stories come up and you've written some incredible incredible pieces and I want to go into a bit about how you got into the BBC but I want to talk about um a few of your stories that really I mean there's some really powerful pieces and you must be very very proud of them um was that the sort of journalism that you wanted to go into when you sort of started looking at journalism was it about that for you or was there something that kind of happened as you found your voice definitely you know what at first I was writing really silly things like when I was at uni on my um you know blogger my um yeah I think it's called blogger spot or blog spot I wasn't writing um very serious stories and then it got into a mixture kind of serious stories and then I realized you know actually I really want to kind of um you know highlight and amplify people's voices that we don't always hear Mm -hmm. that you know that people do kind of tend to ignore whether that's because of ethnicity or class or just because you know there's a real big um lack of trust for journalism and for journalists and for the media I totally get that so I think if anything I was like do you know what those are the most important stories I think the people who don't want to talk to you and the stories that are affecting specific communities but don't always have that platform and they're traveling on socials they're traveling on Instagram on the shade borough etc and I thought you know what I kind of want to bridge that gap so definitely and you know I think the moment which I actually really wanted to write serious stories and what I knew actually this is something I really want to maybe consider taking seriously is um when uh Grenfell happened and um I had some contacts contacts down at the ground there and I know some people in that community and I just you know when I was looking at the news coverage I was just really disappointed um I just thought there was so much missing and there was a real I think that was a real um defining moment for me where I was just kind of like the way they're speaking to these people is a bit weird it's a bit poverty porn-esque it's a bit like you know when that really shouldn't be um the case you know of course you've got to speak to people in a sensitive way they've gone through such a huge tragedy but I just really hated the um the dimensions mm-hmm. and how that was covered and I was like you know what I want to ensure that this has things like Grenfell things where they do affect communities who are black or brown and there's not really even you know it's got a bit better in the last couple of years I think but just kind of when it comes to covering those sort of stories where it's disproportionately ethnicities who are affected and ethnicities who are telling their story I just noticed a real gap um between that you know I feel like I could have got a lot of better answer out of some of these people or if anything not necessarily answer make them feel a lot more comfortable because I think you could have you, you could see that kind of uncomfortableness mm-hmm. on screen and I, I it really um 
it really, you know, hit me hard, I'd say, to be honest. I think that's something uh, Grenfell particularly was when there was a bit of a conversation starting to happen about the fact that the journalists asking these questions did not represent the people that they were writing the stories about. Definitely. Um, And I've done a bit of research, you'll be impressed with me. A 2020 study by the NCTJ found that whilst 48% of journalists were female, 92% are white. Hmm. And is that kind of representation something that you've been kind of... I suppose obviously you're aware of it, but going into journalism, was that something that, A, you felt worried about or you felt like you wanted to kind of be be somebody who represents the minority that aren't represented in journalism? I think for sure. I definitely think, you know, that the latter. I think, you know, of course, that those statistics, I didn't know them and I know them now. And I think, you know, one thing I also noticed quite a lot is just how some of these people are just very out of touch with what's happening on the street, you know, and I think... It's it's great that, you know, I think it's really interesting and it's a bit difficult, I think, to navigate and to kind of say in a way where I'm not, like, attacking rich people. <laughs> but um, But I just think it's very... It's very uncomfortable at times where you do see these stories or there isn't people on that those teams who can tell the story in a really human and kind of people way. And I definitely think that there's... You can really notice that journalism is kind of populated by very wealthy people, by people who um, have lived a life that the majority of, like, Britain's you know, haven't lived. And I definitely feel I haven't done what I want to do completely in life. But I I really do like the fact that when I have worked on stories, you know, I have kind of helped to make them a bit more human and a bit more just kind of normal. I'm very, I'm a very normal person. I'm very kind of just very normal person, very normal life. I kind of lead. So I feel like it's definitely something I, you know, I do notice and I do see. And I think it's great that people are talking about it. I feel like it's the same with so many issues that I, I never thought people would talk about certain topics. But it's great now that people are talking about it. And I definitely think to any kind of aspiring journalists or any creators out there if you don't have connections which you know many of us don't then just reaching out to someone you really admire because a lot of the time they would like you know they want to hear that about their stuff and also it's really important that people pay it forward and I, I feel like I'd like to think the majority of people would kind of do that and help you know these people who just want to break into these industries because it's, it's really hard isn't it it's really difficult mm. yeah it is difficult it is I think one of the things I would really like to ask your opinions on is conversations about representation only tend to happen when there's a catalyst. Mm. Um, Is that something you are trying to kind of ensure is just a conversation that continues? Because your work, things like your piece on Black History Month that you might not learn in school is so powerful and it's such an important piece. 
is that something you want to make sure conversations aren't just because something's happened we're having this conversation but it's a conversation that needs to happen and that's why it's happening definitely I think you know first of all you, you're guessing me I'm, I'm gassed so <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> I definitely think these topics kind of need to be evergreen I, I don't think that things have an expiry date you know what I mean like I definitely think it's important that we just kind of keep things going forward I feel like this month as well is you know South Asian kind of heritage month and I feel like we should be picking up South Asians we should be talking you know we should be trying to include South Asians when it's not just about race or ethnicity on topics where they can be experts on you know you know like science or on cars or whatnot I think it's important that we kind of we do celebrate these months because they're amazing and but I do think it's important that we keep these conversations going in an evergreen way and also that we include people from diverse backgrounds not just to talk about gender imbalances or racism or something like that I think it's important that we kind of get these experts to talk about a wide range of topics because they are out there and I just think it's important that we do that we live in a very multicultural country and I feel like your journalism it it should represent when you walk down the street and I, I think we definitely me I'm trying to do even more of a conscious effort to do that. I feel like I've always kind of done that, maybe and I've maybe fallen short sometimes, and I acknowledge that, but I want to kind of carry on doing that. And I think a lot of people who are from those backgrounds, in fact, I'm sure everyone who is, you know, from those backgrounds have those, you know, conscious efforts, that, that conscious effort in their mind to do the same. I want to go take it back now a little bit. Um, so at uni, I've looked. You, you seem to be part of a lot of societies. You've done a lot of different things: poetry, dance, like so many different things. Was that something that you really wanted to like throw yourself into everything when you got to uni? Do you know what? I think it was more like in second and third year because in first year, like I really struggled at uni. I didn't really do much. I was involved in my university play of The Crucible. Um, Great play. One of my favourite plays. (laughs) Big up the stage society, you know. (laughs) Um, And I think after that, there wasn't really much I was involved in. And I really struggled at uni. Um, You know, I feel like I'm someone who's always kind of been able to, I wouldn't say make friends, but I'm quite like a friendly, warm person. And I think at uni, sometimes it was very difficult, like, because obviously everyone's away from home for the first time. It's kind of difficult to, I think, thrive in those um, circumstances. For some, it might not be, but for me, it definitely, definitely was. And I was like, do you know what? I just want to kind of get involved in things, you know, kind of find my passions. And I feel like uni, I definitely found myself and found my passions, but I really struggled at the beginning. And I think joining all these things was just to kind of keep myself a bit busy as well. My mental health was really awful in probably all three years. (laughs) My mental health was really awful, you know, like I literally one month, like lost a stone, like my period stopped. Like I was just, yeah, like I really, really struggled at uni. And I think when I lost the stone, in the month I was like this is actually insane like I came home and my mum was like oh my gosh like do you have enough food like what's going on you look really ill and I'm like do you know what like I don't know like I feel like uni was just like three year days to be honest sometimes but I think it was you kind of doing those things really helped me um maybe maybe helped me find kind of my tribe my people them and that's kind of why I did it I think just to keep myself busy find out what my interests were and even though I did all those things there's so many things 
more that I wish I did, but it is what it is. <laughs> what did you discover first in writing? Was it poetry or was it journalism or was it kind of all around the same time? I think all around the same time, like I took part in um, our first ever like uni poetry slam, mm. which was, um, it was across universities and the winner went to Chicago. So we that were all trying to get there. That's such a great prize. <laughs> Yeah, like, and to take part in, like, um, the, a competition there. And we, we didn't make it, LOL. Oh, I'm sorry. I'd have voted for you. It's, I don't know if it was a voting thank situation. You. Thank you. We didn't make it. Uh, but, you know, we did quite well still. Um, and I think it was that. And then, actually, it's so funny because for that poetry competition we actually had to go to bbc radio leicester and we were just there getting like interviewed and then you know like three years later you know i'm doing live two-way interviews on bbc radio leicester so it's so bizarre it's like a full circle (laughs) you've come like back yeah a full circle Mm. and i think you know it was a mixture of both um i didn't i don't think i got into poetry or journalism first I think I got into both at the same mm-hmm. time and I think it was through like kind of the people I lived with and um, one of my fresher helpers wrote for um, the magazine yes and I think seeing her write for the magazine I thought that's quite cool I want to kind of do that and um, I think if it, if it wasn't for her just mentioning in passing one time about the magazine and you know showing me the stuff she'd done I don't think I would have got involved so I definitely think it's kind of a mixture of both and to be honest I was just trying to um as well do as much as I can to kind of get a job um, after uni so it was just a mixture of you know having fun having good credentials to get a job after my dad is African so I have no choice you know I was always thinking about jobs I think Um, it's important at that point of uni to find a direction isn't it like you get to second third year and you're like right whatever I do now is setting me up for what I'm gonna do when I leave and mm. when you left, what what were your kind of first steps? What what was your first? Did you do internships? What was your next move after graduating? No, I actually didn't really do kind of any internships. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied for the Penguin Random House in the sh- internship for like every every time it was open for three years and I never got mm. it so but they're kicking themselves I, now <laughs> so I never did internships really but what I did do um was kind of work experience like I did you know the times graduate survey yes. researcher I did that and I took part in a couple of like focus groups as well for the times and just put that down on you know my cv mm. and linkedin and then also um I did some kind of ushering such volunteering at Sheffield documentary festival and yeah so I I did some kind of just not really internships but just kind of I don't know just trying to find journalism like temporary roles to kind of get you on that ball moving definitely definitely and I think you know so I know we're going to get to this um, a bit later down the line, but when I actually submitted my application to the BBC, I actually found relevant work experiences after I submitted. So I was a bit kicking myself a bit, but I did um, I did a day at the um, online Daily Mirror, um, which is tabloid, and just the work rate mm. is fast. I yeah. was like, I, after I left that day, I was like, there's no way I can be a journalist if this is how fast <laughs> I have to. Like, I was like, oh my god, I was like shaking. Like as I was leaving Canary Wharf, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like- so having seen the kind of tabloid side and then the BBC side, is is there a significant difference in the in the way it is? Yeah, I feel like they have like they they write their articles in like like the standard ones, not like the long features, mm. in like twenty minutes to an hour. 
That's like the time that I was told. And I was just like, I can't even write a, you know, like sometimes a parent, you know, yeah. essay when you're essay mode. 20 minutes I'm is not, like I'm, an intro for me. And that would be like with all typos dreadfully written. Literally, literally. I'm thinking I can't even write a full paragraph <laughs> in like an hour. So this is going to, this is a sticky one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's get on to the BBC trainee journalism programme that you Go yeah. on. How? What was the application process like? And like, how did you find out about it? What were your kind of motivations to apply? It was long, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie, it was long. But um, you know what? I, I had the motivation to apply because I was like, look, this is something I actually kind of want to... I, I, in fact, not kind of, I definitely want to try journalism. And I think my career's... My careers officer used to send around these emails of jobs going out. And um, before she sent that out, I actually saw it online. Mm-hmm. I was just Googling journalism jobs and I saw it. And I thought, I don't think I'm eligible like for this, like if I've got enough credentials or not. And then my career advisor sent it around. And I was like, do you know what? If she's sending this around to everyone, then yeah, I'm going to apply. And then um, I applied. Uh, but it's, it's so funny to even get to that stage. I was like in the middle of my dissertation. And I was like, do you know what? I don't think I can write this. I, can't, I don't think I can apply. How did you have the brain power to do dissertation and application at the same time? Yeah, exactly. But I was like, do you know what? Let me just give it a try. And um, yeah, it was quite a long application process. I uploaded my CV. I also kind of, you know, had to think of ideas for stories they wanted to cover and specifically a story that I wanted to kind of develop for um, all the different platforms, the television, radio, digital, etc. And then I did that. Um, that application took me a while as well. So it took me maybe like maybe three hours probably okay. just to really think about mm. things, get a story and just do their tasks and yeah. whatnot. Um, and the second stage was a video interview. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, one of them ones when no one's behind oh, the screen. Oh, and they put the questions come up and you have to answer them. Yeah, I do know. I've done yeah. one of those. They're really intimidating. Yeah, it was. But you could re-record it as many oh, times good. as you wanted. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and the question was just like, why do you want to work for the BBC? But you had to keep it like a minute. And it's Ooh, so funny, you know, because I was so hard. And it's so funny. Again, I was like, do you know what? I'm so stressed. I don't think I can send this off, like literally panicking about my dissertation. And I sent this off, like literally it was due at midnight. I think I sent it off at like maybe 11, 15. <laughs> <laughs> I think I sent it off at 11.50. That's just classic uni though, isn't it? You're like, right, okay, if I submit it 45 minutes, I'm early. Yeah, literally. Um, And it's funny because I was literally wearing pyjama bottoms and um, a nice shirt. But I'm like, this is, you know, it's very like foreshadowing the pandemic for me. It was. (laughs) Very, very 2020, 2021, you in like a shirt and then pyjama Yeah, literally. I also had to do like a 300 word essay on... um, the BBC editorial like choices for you know ten o'clock news, um, yes. ten o'clock news, one of their you know programs, and mm. I actually thought when I saw editorial, I was like, oh, I'm not a journalism student, so I might not be the hundred percent the best at this. Is that something that intimidated you going? Because like I know about the journalism course at my union, they do things like shorthand and like. Yeah. Was that something that you were worried about going into it? Yeah, definitely for sure. I was like, oh god, this is maybe not again. I was like, maybe this is for me I was like this is a bit worrying so I just kind of used my common sense which is very rare for me to do if I'm being totally (laughs) honest and I just like googled like BBC editorial like 
I don't know, editorial style or something like yeah. that. And obviously the editorial guidelines are online. So I just read through it and just, cho- you know, looked at the side by side, the pack, the clip they sent me and also, you know, the editorial guidelines. And I just literally just, you know, took things from there but made it into my own words and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. That's very impressive. Like you just took your initiative, which I think not having had that kind of this is exactly what is expected from the BBC taught to you. Yeah. The fact that you managed to not only kind of do the task, but also then get the programme is amazing. Yeah, I, to, to be honest, I was just kind of like, that. it's a very rare moment that I do anything that's like, you know, that. So I will cherish that moment because <laughs> it's rare because I'm, my mum always says to me, you're book smart, but you've got no common sense. And I'm like, you know what? You're so right. I've got none. Like... <laughs> Um, and then, um, you know, when I got, I found out I got through to the next stage, I was like, oh my goodness. But I was, you know, the, the, the problem was um, that their assessment, it was an assessment day, an interview. Those dates, I was on holiday, you know, um, and where I was no. going. Yeah, and where I was going on holiday, you could only fly there two times a week because of, you know, there's only British Airways um, flies there as well. I was going to miss it. So I emailed them and was like, thank you so much. But like, you know, is there anything that could be done? Because I'm not, I'm literally not going to, I'm not going to be in the country. Um, (laughs) And um, this was on Friday. And then on Friday, they replied back to me like, um, you know, can you be in Scotland for Tuesday? And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So... I I love that from you. It's just like, yeah, I can do that. That's fine. No problems. Yeah. So um, I went to Scotland on um, Monday um, and I nearly missed my flight to Scotland as well. This is just, my life is just such a mess. Like I nearly missed my <laughs> flight to Scotland because I was stuck in traffic. Um, and then I had my interview and, a, you know, group assessment at 9am on Tuesday in Glasgow. And then I had to catch a flight, um, you know, in the evening to get home for my flight on the Wednesday. So I was, I, do you know what the worst thing was? I was literally so anxious because I'm like, what if I don't make my flight? What if my flight is cancelled? Because this was during the time where um, EasyJet, or I don't think it was just specifically EasyJet, it was, they were doing some, um, what's it called? Some strikes, airstrikes. Like, yes. Yeah, and the 50% of the, they even said 50% of the flights will be cancelled. And I was like, if my flight is cancelled, I'm literally screwed because I've got to be at like, you know, Gatwick for like 10 a.m. All the odds were like (laughs) stacking against you like very quickly. A hundred percent. So I really did not think that I was going to get this the on Mm. the scheme because like you know everything's kind of gone. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. So that's literally it was not a smooth story. No, it's not like I applied, I got the job. It was like. It was a bit of a mess, but actually you earned it. Like you worked for that role. Yeah. When you got there, what was your experience like of the actual programme? Do you know what? It was very lovely being around people who were also interested in journalism. Um, Mm. I loved their passion and just how I could learn so much from them and just how confident they were. I feel like one thing about journalists is they're so confident and I'm not a very confident person. So it's just like, I think sometimes they just, some people just exude, um, you know, such positive and warm energy. And it was just so Mm -hmm. amazing to kind of, you know, be in those spaces and be on that kind of receiving end. 
um, yeah. of the energy and just kind of learning from these people who had done the classic kind of cities masters sort of thing and yeah. stuff. And it was, you know, it was really interesting and, you know, hearing their um, perspectives um, on kind of journalism as a whole and also just kind of their journeys and the work they wanted to work on. So I really enjoyed you know, how just close all of us were. Yeah. We were all kind of in and it how, together. How old were you? Were you 22? I was 21. 21? Yeah, and then I was... My goodness. But I was 22 just a couple of weeks later, but I was okay. literally just turned 21. No, actually, no, that's um, a lie. I had it because how could I when I was born in October? <laughs> it's the heat. It's, uh, it's the heat it's that's the heat. making me crazy. No, I've been doing it all day. I'm just like so sweaty that I can't function. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's a young age to be going into the BBC. Like, was that something that you like? Were you nervous? What? How did you feel? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I still feel like I have been. I was nervous. Like, I'd get really bad, like stomach cramps, and just my stomach would just be like, you know, so tight because uh, mm. of how nerve wracking it was. And I think as well, often, I feel like sometimes young people are made to feel like they're really lucky, you know, to be successful but it's like yes. actually you know people of all ages and you know young people do work really hard and I think sometimes older people just in my life and just kind of you know I just it's sometimes a bit of a culture where it's just kind of like you know you need to work really hard it's like I am I am doing yeah. that but it's just what do you um, think I'm doing yeah yeah I, do I think, think that's a big part of why I wanted to kind of do this and talk to yeah. other young people about their experiences because there is such a almost stigma around like young people are lazy they just get things handed yeah to them. definitely and actually you other people i've interviewed to show people that have worked really hard at a really young age yeah. and have done really well from it yeah but i do admit you know the pandemic has kind of got me a bit out of my groove same <laughs> but i'm just same. i'm just like do you know what um i found it really difficult working in news because sometimes um you we were literally living through a story that we were working on. And yeah. I just, you know, I felt, found that really hard, to be honest. I yeah. found that really difficult. Um, was that something, like, being involved in it, did it make it feel like you were almost taken out of it at all? Like, you were... Because it's like, it must be very bizarre telling a story that is happening to you. Did that feel like a separation or did you feel very, like, emotionally invested I think sometimes, but sometimes not, because some of the stuff I was doing was about uni students and you know i'm not a mm -hmm. uni student anymore no matter how you know i'm 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 not as young as i think i am unfortunately <laughs> um but it was just kind of you know about uni students and stuff and i just think um mm. you know the all the testing that their universities recommended they do they did before traveling home for christmas and i just think mm. when i was working on this story i was like oh my gosh they've you know they've had a really tough time like the fact uni is so tough Uni during a pandemic. Yeah. Oh, I think I would have dropped out. Like I don't think I could have dealt with that stress. I was I was this close yeah. to dropping out. I was like, do I just go again? Like when it's all over? Yeah. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Very yeah, intense it's, it's, time. It's, it's, um, well done. Congratulations. Thank you. Graduate over here. I mean, it feels. I mean, it was last year, so I'm past it now. But yeah, it was. It was a weird time. It is, it's been a weird time for everyone. Yeah. Are you working from home? What happened kind of as COVID hit with BBC and news? Because I suppose a lot of it has to be done on site. Yeah, so I worked from home a lot. Um, I think I didn't go into the office, I think, until maybe 
October or September time. Wow. So I I didn't go for a really long time. So I was actually mm. working from home a lot. Um and yeah, that's literally all if I, unless I was going outside to physically be there while someone was filming a story and I was producing mm. or filming it, then I would um I literally just stayed at home and I'm still kind of at home the majority of the time. I'm just um <clears throat> Sorry, I've got a bit of, I've got a bit of a cold. Right. Got a bit of a cold, Did so I, I sound like I literally sound. Is it definitely a cold? <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely a cold. Um, I've literally <laughs> taken so many COVID tests to check, uh, and I'm double, yeah. I'm double jabbed. Obviously, you can still, oh, perfect. You can still get it if you double jabbed, but yeah, I, I, you can. I have taken a lot of COVID tests um, because yeah. I think it's just because I'm just I'm not used to being around so many people. <laughs> Yeah. And my body yeah. now, because I've gone to work. Your body's like, just stop, have a rest. Yeah, because I've gone to work and things, and because I'm, um, mm. you know, I've just yeah, I've had to, I had to go to Birmingham for work. I had to travel, and I was so worried about that. To be fair, <laughs> I want to go back to your your work a little bit and what sure. you have written and produced while you've been at the BBC. Is there a piece that you are like that's my favourite thing I've ever written, or that's my standout piece? That's really hard, you know. I know. <laughs> when I wrote that question, I was like, she's going to hate you're not, me. You're not making this easy at all. <laughs> um, do you know what? I think one thing that um, I wouldn't say, I don't think I've, I've got a favourite. It's quite difficult, but I think the, the one of the most rewarding has probably been something that um, I worked on with two other people about um, the Halo Code, which is a code yes. um, that kind of a group of activists have put together um, that websites and, you know, schools and, you know, unis and colleges can kind of mm. put on their website um, so that prospective students kind of, you know, that they won't, um, that, that their hair is kind of welcome, so their Afro hair in whatever style, whether that's out natural or in, you know, cameras or something um or even dreadlocks like that their hair um is kind of you know they're they're welcome that they won't be made to feel uncomfortable uh, because of their hair and um you know we, we managed to get um so Waruche Opia from um, I May Destroy You, so Terry from yes. I May Destroy You to, um, you know, be a contributor in this. And it was great hearing from her. But also, um, you know, I spoke to like her manager and like her manager told me like the next day that you know, they're really happy with the piece. But also that, you know, um, like an acting agency contacted um, the manager and was like, we're going to make sure now that all are, you know, all our hairstylists can start Afro hair and also that all our makeup artists can, um, you know, like work with not just, um, you know, fair tones so they can, you know, do have makeup for people of all different shades. And I think that's just, you know, that was such a lovely thing to kind of hear. Um, it's seeing seeing your, your work have a direct impact, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think that was a great moment and something that I will always cherish, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's a re- it's a it's an amazing piece. I've really enjoyed watching it and and like I say it's that going back to that thing of you have a definite voice in in your work and I think that that piece is just so well done. Do you prefer making videos and producing products? Do you prefer writing? Is there not really one that you'd pick over the other i don't actually know i think i like videos because i think videos more challenging to me i think writing comes very natural to me um very naturally to me and i i think just kind of producing videos i mean i can do that and i can edit but i think that's probably something that i do still find that 
I do have challenges sometimes where in regards to I have to go on YouTube and like YouTube how to do, you know, double check I've done certain edits right or mm -hmm. something. So I definitely, you know, um, think that I think at the moment videos what I prefer um, or something that I think because it really pushes me and challenges me. But also like I have done, um, you know, some like reporting and presenting and that has yeah. been you know that also challenges me as well but i think um in a very different way <laughs> i feel like video i don't know something about video i think because everything's going digital really isn't it and i think digital yeah. is going to be here for a long time so you know mm. probably forever so i just like mm -hmm. um you know the digital aspects of things and how i do find it challenging sometimes even though i've grown up with social media i've grown up with videos it still challenges me a bit and i like that definitely do you think um Obviously, well, I'm I'm making an assumption here because I don't know about the people you work with, but I'm assuming you fall into the younger bracket of that. Yeah. Do you think that that has? Do you have choice over the stories that you write, or is that something that kind of is selected by, and like given to you? What What's the kind of process there? It's a mixture of both, to be honest. But mainly, it's not given to me. <laughs> mainly, you know, I would say I'm pitching a lot. Like yeah. it's usually me, kind of, you know. And I think journalists work especially young journalists do so much outside of their actual role i think i think they're you know i think we're i think all you know journalists are very driven but i definitely think there's kind of um our generation are very much like we want things now we want to do this we want to do xyz and i think you know as a young journalist i definitely think i've got some of those qualities where i do kind of put myself out there you know a lot of the times you know last year if I was working on a story, like for example, the Halo Code story, like I did kind of pitch to speak about this on regional radio stations that I know that would suit their show. And that was me going to them like, look, you know, do you want me to do this two way for you? I can do it. And they were like, yeah. So that's just kind of, I feel like a lot of the time it's kind of you making opportunities for yourself for, so people can hear those voices from your stories. And I definitely think that I, you know, that that's done quite a lot um mm -hmm. but actually probably it's a bit different now because we've changed the like things have changed in the building like i'm sure people yeah. have seen like there's a lot of changes so i think things have you know have slightly changed now um but i do think still that there's that kind of you know buzz to kind of get things done like for me i often find i'm trying to make my own opportunities on my own platforms as well so whether that's like you know writing on medium or doing like an instagram video like i'm just trying to do that as well i kind of want to become an all-rounder so i'm just yeah i'm just out here just you know trying to you know on that hustle thing but also trying to Good relax too <laughs> and have fun yeah finding time to actually just like be <laughs> yeah. like, where do you find the time <laughs> no definitely definitely and honestly molly you've honestly been gassing me up so much no i might have to call you every time i'm having a bad day anytime you're just feeling you a bit down i'll be like you're amazing no, even my boyfriend so gasses me up like this <laughs> Your boyfriend needs to do a better job. Yeah. <laughs> um, we spoke a little bit about the difference between commercial and BBC. From start to finish of a piece of a story, I'm assuming it varies completely depending on the piece, but how long do you take on a piece or how long ideally would you take on a piece? It really depends. Um, like, it really just depends. Sometimes I've done things in like two days. Um, some things I've, you know, sometimes I've done like things in two days. Other times, like maybe... Um, a day 
other times a lot longer like months and months <laughs> if I'm being honest um yeah. I've, I was working on something that was very simple and I was very frustrated that it took me so long for like months for literally like months like like a two minute video I was working on for like maybe four months <laughs> and that's just <laughs> things like videos must take so much research behind them to make sure that especially like you're dealing in news it has to be accurate you can't kind of yeah definitely definitely but it really kind of depends and you know it really does depend I think um I definitely think like the only thing I think I've ever written in like a day was um just a piece where it was mainly people like it wasn't really it was a feature but I didn't really I there wasn't many words like narrative work like, words mm. it was more kind of their words and I think that's why because mm. that's what the editor wanted and I think it was a lot better that yeah. it was just them kind of talking and stuff um but yeah I think that took me like a, like maybe less than a day like it was mm-hmm. actually okay um just you know yeah. finding the voices and just you know one thing I would recommend is every you know aspiring like creatives or journalists or whatnot is like to use um just you know like um what's it called oh my mind's gone blank you know transcribing software yes because that really yes. helps and i think now yeah. that I use, at first i never used it i was just literally on the phone writing things down by hand how silly like that's scribbling like, like, <laughs> yeah that's literally like do you know what i mean i definitely think that I there was a lot of things looking back because I didn't have a journalism like degree background or master's mm-hmm. background that I probably should have known but didn't but um mm. yeah like I definitely think you know just even iPhone no you know memos just recording mm. on there so good yeah I also think like you say you didn't have the background but I, there is a massive truth and you learn by doing and you actually learn from making those mistakes and finding easier ways to do it yeah definitely probably better than if somebody was just to shout at you in a lecture hall what you had to do like actually physically doing it must sort of make you a better journalist yeah and I think as well one thing I always knew and even now one thing I know and always knew there's some still probably some technicalities I'll always still be learning I think everyone will always still be learning but one thing is you know I feel like I'm able to kind of build those relationships with people and I think that's difficult to teach so I know that even if sometimes I lack on the technical side or I'm not the best at least I've got the other half and you know what I mean yeah. that, that's kind of yeah. how I try to you know see it as I try not to you know get down about the fact that I don't always know like the right thing to do and I think as well like we I make so many mistakes all the time Mm. and I think everyone does I just don't really talk about it and one thing yeah I definitely you know try and do is I do let my you know my colleagues know like my you know my not necessarily the colleagues I directly work with but my colleagues like who are from the scheme or my colleagues in the building if I mess up I'm like guys I messed up do you know I mean I think it's important that we kind of talk about those things and I think you know people mess up all the time but you just can't tell And so often people don't tell you they've made a mistake. So when you do it, feels so much more like 100%. dramatic because you feel like you're the only person making mistakes. But it's just some people really cover it up and they get embarrassed by it. But I don't think it's something to be embarrassed by. I think it's something to be like, I've learned from something because yeah. I made the mistake. Definitely, definitely. That's how I try to see it. But I do get embarrassed sometimes, but everyone yeah, does, I course. guess. Of course, it's natural. You've given some fantastic bits already, but is there any advice that you would give a young person who maybe like you didn't do a journalism course but wants to go into journalism believe in yourself like believe in your source because um you will meet you know people who probably 
you know are just a bit negative who kind of just kind of want to put you down or you know put you in a certain place but it's like i just think you have to be positive and believe in your source you know there's so many like jealous people like in the world and i think um it's just important that you don't let anyone else tell you what you can or can't do you know yourself better than anyone else you know your abilities and i think if you believe in yourself, you're already like 50% of the way there. One thing I was told um, when I first started is there's three things. And if you can do two out of the three of them, then you're doing a really good job. So the first one is, you know, being good at the job, producing amazing stories. The second one, just being pleasant, being a nice person. And the third one, you know, getting things done to time sensitive deadlines. And I think if you could honestly do two out of those three things, I think not just in journalism, but I guess anywhere like people will give you that I was going to say that to you that can apply to any job that you're going into and I think the be nice thing is something I'm always told like if you can't be the best person in the room at your job be the nicest person in the room and and that will get you as far I think that's so true. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, because sometimes even if you're not like as good as other people when you're just starting out, which of course is going to happen, I think, you know, people, the people who kind of, you know, are nice to you and you're nice back and kind of give you those opportunities, I think it's just so valuable to just, you know, really kind of cherish that and also just be Mm -hmm. a pleasant person to be around. Um, because definitely. I definitely know that there are times, you know, that I'm not the best at my job um, where I'm just starting things or I'm a bit like, oh. But I just think if you're really honest and just been like, look, do you mind just explaining to the, this to me offline? Then that's fine. Um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a very, very good piece of advice. Thank you so much for this. You've been an absolute pleasure and I can't tell you how grateful I am. And I can't wait to to see everything that you produce in the future. Good luck. Uh, And we will speak soon, I hope. Thank you, and same to you.